Hey folks, thanks for listening to Sustainably Geeky. This is episode 29, and today I'm joined by Jen and Chris, our regulars. And we're also talking to Clayton Tucker, who is a local beekeeper in the Central Texas area. Now Clayton talks with us about how he got into beekeeping, the importance of bees to our local ecosystem, as well as the things that humans are doing to affect the bee population and how we can address that. As always, climate change plays a big role in this, so uh, listen for ideas and hopefully you'll take away some things that you can do yourself to help the bee population flourish and also um, make life a little more sweet. You're listening to Sustainably Geeky, the podcast for everyday environmentalists. All right, so today we're talking with Clayton Tucker, a local beekeeper here in Central Texas. Uh, Clayton is a former water researcher with the National Science Foundation who is running for Texas State Senate District 24. After living abroad in Taiwan, Clayton returned to Texas to help revitalize his family's ranch and he hopes he helps to tend to cows, goats, chickens, guineas, and one of his new obsessions, bees. Clayton has been a beekeeper for the last few years, learning how to care for bees through fits and stings. So, Clayton, tell us how you got into beekeeping. Um, how long, you said you've been doing it a few years, and I guess for our listeners who aren't very familiar, what is beekeeping? Mm-hmm. Well, first, thank y'all so much for having me on today. I really do appreciate y'all and all y'all all the work y'all do really promoting environmentalism. I mean, we've got to do it. And bees are a huge part of that. And we'll be talking more about that, I know, soon. How I got into bees? Uh, completely by accident. <laughs> we had some uh, bees in a tree. It's like this old dead pecan tree on my family's farm. I'm like, oh, I wonder if we should get like actual bees. And then we just tried it just to see what happens. And um, no one in my family deals with them. For some reason, they're like, yeah, you go, you go do that, Clayton. <laughs> For some reason. For some reason. <laughs> and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. And been doing it um, a little over two years at this point, I would say. And just been buzzing away. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what is the, I guess, the, the strategy or the process of keeping bees? Because, I mean, obviously bees can make their own homes in nature, but why would someone want to, you know, become a beekeeper and do that um, on their land? Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of depends. Um, I mean, if you have, if you are in Texas and you have some land, some acreage, you can get an ag exempt with bees. Um, that basically means you don't pay property taxes. So it's an incentive for folks to get animals, to get bees. And um, some of the benefits, I mean, if you have a garden, so even if we don't have land, let's say you just have a garden, well, bees really help gardens. Um, they help your garden, neighbors' gardens, fruit trees. They're really nice and they're really, they're actually really calming. I find if you just kind of like once you get used to them and just kind of sitting and hearing the buzzing, um, it's really good. So I remember visiting a friend pretty recently, and they had one of the greatest gardens I've seen. They live in Nolanville, and you know they have one beehive. They had a couple uh, before, but they only had one. And yeah, I guess this the process is you find. Um, I mean, I guess you could go out in the wild and get some bees. I would not advise that. <laughs> I would not. That is not something I Collect would Collect bees. <laughs> um, but you, you just basically, they're certified bee sellers. Um, you can buy them online. I would not recommend that as well. The shipping process, if 
if it's not done right, uh, can harm the queen and can really hurt the bees. But you know, there's various authorized sellers. I depending on where you are, just Google it and um, they'll help you up. They'll set you up. And most bee sellers also like train you how to become a beekeeper, what equipment you need. And it's all relative. It's all fairly simple. Bees kind. Of, they um, speaking as a cattle rancher and goat farmer, um, bees need a whole lot less attention than other animals. They kind of fend for themselves half the time. We just still have to work, work with them, of course. But it's all, I mean, this, the benefits are kind of all around. Awesome. Was that Irene's garden you were yes. referencing? I love Irene. She Shout oh. out if you're listening. Yeah, she has an amazing garden. And um, Yeah, so cool. That, that sounds like a fun hobby. Also a little terrifying for some people, probably. It's um, unnerving at first. Um, but I mean, this wear a bee suit the very first time, and then over time, like, like I started wearing always having a, a bee suit, and this kind of wore a little less and less as time went on. Um, to, there's even points where you just, I mean, if you know what you're doing, then and the bees like are kind of familiar with you, because it do seem like they get a little familiar with you over time. Um, then they calm down. So the question I know on everybody's mind is, have you worn your your bee head as a mask? You know your your beekeeper's outfit out in public as a mask right now because we're all wearing masks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I thought about it, but then I realized you know that might scare some people away. They'll be yeah. like, "What are I doing?" Plus, they would keep six feet of distance, though. It might protect me from COVID, uh, from bees. COVID will still go through the netting. <laughs> true. Didn't think about that. Well, ladies, um, what questions do you guys have? I have a question. Mm -hmm. Um. So if you want to help the bees, obviously you can plant certain flowering, you know, plants and trees and all that stuff. Um, but if you want to have those bee boxes, do you have to actually mess with them or can you just put them out there and let them do their own thing? Uh, <laughs> uh, it really kind of depends. If you want to... Like ensure that like the longevity of your bees or you ever want to the point where you want to like harvest honey uh, i do recommend you know caring for them but i mean yeah you can technically just stick a beehive out there and just kind of let them uh be wild i suppose will they leave if you wild. don't like tend to it or will can they just stay in there for forever depends on the health of the hive um theoretically they can stay in there forever they Bees don't usually leave. Well, if something happens to the hive, so like I heard this one story where this guy's cow knocked over a beehive and he got it all back together, but then the hive left the following day. Now, I mean, you do have um, hives do collapse sometimes. Like I myself lost about two hives. No, three. I lost three hives um, this year. So, I mean, that does happen sometimes. But even like a, a normal lifespan for a queen is around three to five years. But even if the queen dies, they'll like just make a new queen and then they'll just continue on. Okay. Because I've always been interested in like making a house for them, but mm -hmm. not like having to mess with the... I don't really want to steal their food. Like the honey is what they survive off of <laughs> during mm -hmm. the winter time. Yeah. And so have, uh, I just want to... And they're having a hard time as it is. So I'm like, I just want to make a home for them. <laughs> Let them what? do their thing. And then... Yeah, not have to, you know, touch it. Leave a couple dead trees in your yard and <laughs> find a way. Done. <laughs> yeah. 
you can even like make really i've seen like you have the normal b boxes which people usually use those just because they're the cheapest option um and also usually the most industrial easiest to store and clean but you can also make fancy houses you can theoretically get like a dollhouse um Ooh. you can theoretically get i've seen ones where like they somehow put it inside their house and had like a tube that goes in the outside so the bees could have like a hive inside. I thought that was the coolest thing. Nope. And I got <laughs> Their <really> faces <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, nope. That I would give me bad <laughs> dreams. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh man. Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know. But, but so, do you think that bees prefer to have a box like that, or would they prefer to be just making their own house in nature if there's like a place for them? I don't know. I. I guess it kind of depends on where the box is. So, for instance, um, last year we had some of our boxes kind of more out in the field, which I, I this is not going to surprise anyone, but it's kind of hot there in Texas during the summer, and they yeah. did not seem to enjoy that. So we actually moved a couple of our bee sites to being under oak trees, so year-round shade, um, and they seem to like it there quite a bit. Um, so I think it really depends on the location. Yeah. Of the box. Yeah, we've been we're working on some projects putting bat boxes out and it's the same yeah. thing. Like you have to kind of lure them in, but it's also about location and making sure that, you know, it's a place that they want to be and they're mm -hmm. not in any harm's way and all that. So also beneficial pollinators. Bats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they eat all the mosquitoes. Oh. <laughs> They're creepy. <laughs> what that? Yeah, I love bees. I I I want a box in our backyard. But I was going to ask you: Is there? So we just have a regular um, back, you know, residential backyard. Is there? Could we theoretically put a like a one of those hive box thingies that you see out in the farmers' fields and put that in our backyard and have work? Or do you need like? Do they need a certain amount of land to? buzz around um, and collect their things. I mean, so long as you have just a couple feet on each side, you're generally fine. Usually what bees do is they'll fly kind of out and then they'll kind of twirl straight up to like 15 oh. feet. They'll like fly around to find their food. They'll fly for like five miles. Um, oh, okay. Find food and water. So that part's usually fine. As far as having bees in the backyard, it really depends on the exact area. Most areas are okay with it. It would have to be a very specific local law or like homeowners association or something like that that would prevent it but there's nothing that i'm aware of on any state level or any national level anywhere um right. in the united states or canada where there would be <laughs> where they would not allow that right chris do you know if they get an ag ex uh, exemption in canada for having bees i didn't even know about that but i'm definitely going to look into it i know there's been some bylaws passed in um in a town that we previously lived in that if you had five like you could have chickens in your yard in town mm -hmm. but i don't know about i don't know about land taxes but i'm going to look into that though because that'd yeah. be cool <laughs> sure. so i wonder if that. there's like is there like a square footage requirement for that like if you just have five thousand square feet for your mm -hmm. you know whole lot of your property mm -hmm. is that enough Depends on the area. Uh, for Texas, it's it's between five to fifteen acres, if I remember right, and you need yeah. a certain amount of bees. Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but it would say like ten boxes or ten hives. I mean, yeah, um, okay. 
And this is kind of state by state specific. Yeah, I know on our family ranch, they put um, bluebird boxes, and that oh, was part of their ag exemption, mm-hmm. too. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So I have heard that uh, you were talking about, do they leave or, or you know, get too big for the hive? Um, when If they do get too big, then they'll split, right, and, and mm-hmm. start another queen. So that's when you'll get the swarms that'll kind of leave the hive looking for another place. And that's what I think most people think of when they think of bees, like the angry bee swarms. But for the most part, if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, it does kind of depend on the exact bee type. There are multiple um, you know, species of bees. Uh, there are the you know, various bees that are kind of a little bit more aggressive. <clears throat> and But you can kind of find those out in the wild. Um, you know, we call them like Africanized bees, which actually all bees are technically Africanized now. Um, it's just a matter of which to which degree. So even it's just it's everywhere. Um, is basically the point. But yeah, with swarming, um, that usually happens in the spring when a hive does get too big. Like the I think it's the old queen will like take half the hive and just piece out, while the new queen will just continue using the um, old spot. Yeah. The way you prevent that. Um, is for, as a beekeeper, you can go in there and if you see a queen egg, which looks very different than other eggs, you just take a couple of those frames, put it in another box, seal that box for like two weeks, and then make sure they have food when you seal it. But then um, they'll just claim that new box. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So let's talk about why bees are important in the first place. Um, I think most of us have heard these horror stories about if the bees disappear, you know, 80, 90% of our, our produce disappears with it. So can you kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what they do that's so important to the ecosystem? Oh, yeah. Well, they they pollinate around 80% of, I think is 80% of all plants are pollinated by bees or some form of bee species and about 90% or about 90 of our food crops. So if we lose them. I mean, that's the vita almonds, for instance. Uh, they pollinate also broccoli, cherries, berries, apples. Uh, a lot of melons so we will our food capacity will drop very significantly very quickly uh if we lose bees so yeah it's pretty pretty depressing future mm-hmm. um life without apples and broccoli and all these things that we we take for granted i think <laughs> but what why are we losing the bees i mean what is causing this mass you know extinction almost a combination of climate change and um, pesticides. <clears throat> so with climate change, I mean, we humans are fairly adaptable. We can adapt to climate changes uh, fairly easily compared to most other animals and plants and insects. Not the case with bees. Also not the case with a lot of our livestock. Now, <clears throat> now there's also a, um, a pesticide called neonicotinoid, which is very, it's unfortunately very popular, but there is data that links that to killing bees. And I know in the state of Texas, they tried to pass a law that would allow local governments, um, like county governments and such, to like say, hey, y'all can't use these uh, pesticides. But unfortunately, that law was uh, not passed in the state of Texas. And my opponent voted to not pass it. <laughs> Even though we're the state of local rule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Local, local rule only when it conven- uh, convenience is Um. Yeah, so uh, I think it's important to note that the pesticides with these neonics a lot of times are used 
with good intentions to get rid of the bad pests, right? Mm -hmm. Like as a, as a hobby gardener, um, someone might put down pesticides to, to get rid of the stuff that's killing their garden or that, you know, they don't want out there or even in fertilizers or whatever. But the downside is it ends up killing the bees and sometimes the butterflies and a lot of the beneficial pollinators. So how do people avoid that? I mean, we have to pass laws. I mean, that's what it comes down to so the neonics there, even in seeds, like even seeds can be coated. And if you look at, I'm going to use Texas, for example, you know, I-35 cuts through about halfway through Texas. And on what the eastern side, you have a lot of corn um, producers, even cotton producers, because the soil is good for that. On the other side, on the western side where I am, soil is not good for corn. You'll find a few spots here and there, but it's mostly ranching land because it's very rocky, very alkaline. And I've been hearing these cases where people's bees, where there is a lot of corn and is a lot of cotton, where you need a lot of pesticide, particularly, you know, their rates of um, sudden collapse, the sudden colony collapse syndrome is really bad. Um, here, it's still it's still a thing. It's not as bad because you know pesticide use is much more local. You don't need to use pesticides when you know you're growing cows and goats. <laughs> you don't need it. And also, if you're raising hay to feed cows and goats, you don't you don't need pesticides at all. Um, yeah. Well, with others you do. And it seems like a good way to avoid that is just to use the land for what it's best suited for, right? Not forcing mm -hmm. it to grow things that it shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's like gr stuff. growing rice in Texas. Um, That's a thing. We don't necessarily have the water for that <laughs> in certain parts of Texas, but other parts of Texas, we don't have the water for that. Chris, um, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The rice farmers have a lot of water rights in Texas. It's insane. Mm -hmm. But to get to your point, like what well, we can, I mean, it has to be passed by government um, because otherwise, some people will follow it, other people won't. Do you know of, um, I guess, pesticides that are okay to use, that are bee safe, or, or is it just a matter of organic farming, you know, only using those specific things that are approved organic? I would have to get back to you on that. I, I'm unaware of any pesticides um, that are all right with bees, but I don't want to make a general sweeping statement unless I have the data right in front of me. Okay. But normally, I, I, with my family, we don't use pesticides at all. We use some other tricks, um, like combining soap and water is actually a fairly good way of um, at least getting rid of wasp. Yeah. That can poison. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You just spray soapy water on their their nest or what? You just spray it on them. Oh. And preferably get like a little warm. Actually, preferably get it hot, but even if it's a little warm, it's still fine. Just kind of mix it and spray it on them. Um, it it knocks them out pretty quick. We had these paper. They're like lanterns, but they're in the shape of a hive. Mm -hmm. And so we put them. We had them really bad around wasps around our deck, and uh, we just put those up. And they thought that somebody, some somebody, some wasp had already colonized it, and they moved on, and they didn't come back. Oh, so that's so that. smart. We just got them at the hardware store. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we had to hang out several, but it did the trick because they were everywhere. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind. Yeah. And wasp will kill bees, and not just the murder hornets. <laughs> Assholes <laughs> of the insect world. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, that's a great life hack there, um, hanging up the paper lanterns to keep mm. them away. So I have a question. So 
sorry. Um, you mentioned that there's pesticides in the seed. So that's like the GMO corn and Roundup and that whole combination of things going on, right? I would need to double check exactly. I just know that there is case. I don't know the exact specifics, but I do know, again, the law I was just reading uh, right before this to double check my memory, that there are seeds that are coated with the neonicotinoids. Um, but I would need to look exactly which of those seeds yeah. they are. Well, then you got to wonder how many, like, plants absorb it and it goes into the seed that way, you know, as they're growing. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. There's pesticides all over our food. Yeah. <laughs> and then inside of in, us. In our food, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's like the top 10 list of foods out there for, you know, to avoid because they use a lot of pesticides. And that's why most of the time when you go to certain grocery stores, they'll have organic versions for those ones that are pretty bad. Um, yeah, the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. I watched a documentary and I'm pretty sure it was about it was about farmers and the whole corn crop and how Monsanto and Roundup and all that stuff has basically taken over all of the GMO corn and how it is having a prop like an effect on the bees. Because um, I guess when that seed tries to pollinate or something, that pollen then has the automatically already kind of like has that chemical in it, which can them so yeah it's nasty stuff buy organic everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah as much as you can so we've talked about why these are important what beekeeping is um so would you say that beekeepers help to ensure the longevity of bees because you know they're giving them a safe place to i mean is it making a difference i guess in in how many bees we have and keeping the populations alive. Oh yeah, there's another really important service beekeepers do. Now this is like a much more advanced beekeeping, a lot more advanced beekeeping than I'm currently at, but you can actually start they're creating kind of new, newer species of bees. So for instance, uh, there's like Italians and like bees from like South Carolina. Well, there's becoming a new Texas variety of bees, which are a little bit tougher. They're they able to resist uh, heat a little bit better and also mites. So mm -hmm. beekeepers are also helping bees <clears throat> like kind of um, like get, they're, they're they're getting them where they're a little bit tougher and they can kind of withstand more climate change and withstand some of the challenges thrown at them. It's a very slow process, um, so we do have to change our own habits first and our own uh, methods. But I think that's one of the big services they provide. Of course, Texas has to have its own brand of bee, <laughs> the biggest and best bee there ever was. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're a little mean. I, yeah. I have some. <laughs> they have a belt buckle and mm. cowboy hat. Uh, instead of a stinger, they have spurs and they'll just whack you with that. I believe it. Mm. <laughs> Mostly they even have little cowboy hats. Yeah, yeah. I can see it. Mm -hmm. Well, um... Tooks. <laughs> Let's see. I, I wanted to know, um, we talked a little bit about, like, you know, if we see a swarm of bees on our property, people tend to freak out. But how should people act when they encounter bees, whether it's a big group of them or just an individual, you know, one or twosie here or there? I mean, I've always heard get really still or just ignore them. Don't freak out and flail all over because then they'll freak out and, you know, sting you. A couple things. First, uh, I would definitely recommend controlling your breathing. 
So carbon dioxide can actually get them more aggressive. Please think about it. You know, when they're in the high, when they're in the wild in a critter, a hog, for instance, comes to eat the hive, which does happen from time to time. You know, that carbon dioxide is the first alert system. So if you like try to blow on a bee, you're kind of asking for trouble. Um, I would not blow bees away. I would not recommend it. Now, if they're just flying around you, it's fine. If they start kind of like bumping into you, like kind of dive bombing you in a sense, they're like not that they're stinging, but they're kind of hitting you and they fly away and their tone is a little bit higher pitched. That's the you should leave. If you don't leave, you will be stung real soon. But most honeybees, at the very least, uh, they don't they won't sting you right off the bat. They're not quite like wasp in that regard. That will just like sting you and then fly away laughing. Um, <laughs> so well, what you should do is again um, control your breathing if they start kind of bumping into you leave and definitely call um, a professional bee removal service in the state of Texas you can look up I think it's like Texas Apiary Inspection Service they have a list of all um, folks who can remove bees for every single county yeah, and that brings up a good point. Don't call an exterminator to remove bees because, for one, they won't, they'll probably just kill them rather than try to remove them and save them. And two, they won't effectively remove the hive or the, the, um, the, the what's the word? Not chemicals, but the scent of bees. And then more bees will come after. So mm -hmm. always call a professional beekeeper. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I, I've had, What's that? You gotta save the bees. Yes. If you can, try to save them. Don't just kill them. <laughs> Smoke mm -hmm. them out. Um, I've had experience with this because I think I've told you guys I've had bees in the side of my house three times mm -hmm. over the last five years. And I actually found my bee guy through the Texas Beekeepers Association website. So your state um, or your province probably has some kind of a beekeeping association that you can contact as well. And you probably want to look for someone that's certified or at least has, you know, some sort of experience with it rather than just Joe Schmo who's like, yeah, I've, you know, mm -hmm. had some bees in my yard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know for, in the state of Texas, you technically need a license to remove bees. Um, okay. Again, technically, I'm, 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 I know people do it without having a license that Texas. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Texas. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, ladies, did y'all have any other questions before we move on, or any dying? Well, I was just remembering my grandfather used to keep bees in his backyard, and it was just like a regular neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you don't have to have a very big backyard to have some bee boxes. Oh yeah. Um, I would love to have some a bee box in my backyard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can totally do it. Just check your HOA if you have one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, again, your neighbors might yeah. wonder what's going on, but <laughs> my neighbors are cool. I've seen that they're putting bee boxes on like the top of skyscrapers and like downtown cities and stuff oh, cool. too. Because nice. then, like, you have a lot of green roofs as well that have flowering plants, and so they wanted to like also have some bees up there to pollinate everything, I guess. But, um, so yeah, it doesn't really matter where you are. I guess you can always have a bee box oh, yeah. on any surface. Mm -hmm. And then again, they're really easy to take care of during spring, summer, and fall. You usually don't have to do really anything. 
I mean, you really should treat them for mites, um, and that's that's a discussion all all of itself. During the winter time, it kind of depends where you are. I mean, a winter in Texas is. I mean, I'm certain many in Canada would just laugh the fact that we even call it. And you know, there you might need to feed them like sugar water, which, depending on exactly how cold it is, is you like one part sugar, one part water, or it can go up to five parts sugar, one part water. So particularly in uh, colder areas, you'll need to do that if you really want your bees to uh, do well. But otherwise, they, they they basically mind themselves. What's the investment to get started as a beekeeper? Like, I know you have to buy the suit and maybe a box, but I mean, how much are people looking at or how, how much equipment, how much money? It really depends. Um, I mean, you could theoretically put in very, very little or you could buy way too much. Uh, <laughs> a, simp a box itself... I mean, if you buy it used, which I would, I would, you could easily do. I mean, I've done that. Uh, you can just find people getting out of bees and just buy their stuff. Otherwise, it might be 150 for the full box, and that includes the the bottom board, the boxes themselves, and the top part. Um, you can also get them for a lot less. You can also get them for a lot more. The bees. I feel like Ray could make that, Chris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Her husband could make one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Even my my own family were like, we really should if we want to get super serious about bees and like ha keep a lot of them, we're going to need to learn to keep make our own bee boxes. Mm -hmm. Which granted, it's just you know, create squares, make box. There you go, something <laughs> fancy. Paint box, funny colors to keep them interesting. Yeah. And then also remember which hive is which. So what <laughs> hive did you go? Oh no, the orange one. Oh okay. <laughs> Otherwise, um, the bees. <coughs> Excuse me. The bees themselves depends on where exactly you get them. Um, some places it's 150. Some places try to charge you 300. It just kind of depends. Premium bees cost yeah. twice as much. Designer bees. <laughs> and it's bees from Austin. Oh yeah. <laughs> like in a pretty penny. Cost of living up there for bees. Sure. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. Um, I think people probably think it's so much investment, so much upfront cost, but it sounds like it's it's relatively affordable compared to other hobbies people could pick up and you can build on it over time. You don't have to just mm -hmm. buy five boxes at once. Oh yeah. You can just buy like one hive and then split that hive the following spring to turn it into two hives and then the four hives and so on. And if you do collect honey, like by like do not you never want to collect all honey from a hive that you are asking for that hive not to make it through the winter. Um, and that's not what we want. But, you know, you just take a little bit. So, like, for one of our hives this year, we probably harvested 30 pounds of honey. Wow. So. So do you sell your honey or do you just keep it at home? Um, we are intending to sell it at some point in time. <laughs> but, uh, it probably takes a lot to get to that point, a lot of. Surprising, uh, not not well. If you do it in small quantities, um, it's pretty easy. Um, at least in the state of Texas, selling it legally in small quantities is really easy to do. Large quantities really hard. Um, but like under two thousand gallon gallons of honey per year, then you're fine. It's pretty easy. Um, okay. and, and it also stores forever. So yeah, you know, and you're just all right. Just put seal it in an airtight bucket. Uh, bucket and then there you go yeah i don't think a lot of people know that oh sorry yes yeah. 
my grandpa um, had, when they had their big, huge farm, they used to rent out parts of their land and they rented it out to a beekeeper and it was at the back part near the bush. And I remember going over to his house one day and he's like, here, take this. And it was a no freaking word of a lie. It was this big of a square bucket full of honey. He's like, oh, just take it, just take it. Mm-hmm. And it lasted us years. And every time we would eat it, and if, if we need it, if I needed it for bacon, I would just melt it down so it was a little bit more easier to work with. But yeah, it lasted us years. Oh yeah, yeah. I know really like a lot, of, a lot of people who make mead usually like going straight to bees or to beekeepers mm-hmm. and honey sellers because you can just buy it by the gallons. You know, like this yeah. year we just had like these little tiny honey Aww, bears. Oh, little tiny bears. Cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that. I don't even know how many of those we got. It's a it's a large number. <laughs> yeah, so if you have honey that's been in your cabinet for years and it's crystallized, just melt it down. It's still good. It's not gonna make you sick because they didn't they find honey in, in like a tomb, mm-hmm. an Egyptian tomb once sealed and they opened it up and it was still perfectly fine. Like oh, yeah. somebody tasted it and it, <laughs> yeah. it was still it never it never goes bad. Uh there ha- it has a lot of antibacterial properties. Uh if you have allergies, it seems like it really does help. And I, I don't have the science in front of me to say definitively if it does, but it seems like it does. <clears throat> um, so you can make cool beeswax wraps for your food and go zero waste. Oh yeah, so many well, things you. They're also collecting. So I mean, when you when you get stuff from bees, it's, you're not just collecting honey. You also collect beeswax. Um, it's stuff called like bee glue, and you can turn those things into various like cosmetics and creams. Mm. We are still candles. And we're still, um, well, we have a lot of it, but we haven't decided what we're going to do with it. So right now it's in jars. <laughs> nice. Time to start experimenting with some stuff. After so I'll no- just do um, a quick shout out for Fort Hood. They have a bird, bee, and bat mm-hmm. butterfly garden. Before, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe too many bees, but anyway. Um, so yeah, if you want, if you're interested in creating a garden around your home that attracts these insects or, um, you know, birds and bats, um, the, they have a list of the different types of plants that are local, um, drought resistant, and, um, you'll have some things around your house that are pretty and you'll also be helping these, these little guys out. (laughs) But you can also research it if you can't get onto Fort Hood, like different types of plants and stuff. But you can do it. And that's a good point. Um, You know, we in America and probably Canada love our green grass gardens, or I'm sorry, lawns, where it's just nothing but monoculture, one plant, um, and it's got to be, you know, perfectly manicured. But there's a lot of science that shows that really you want diversity in your yard and you want to have different flowers and weeds and all sorts of things that maybe don't look, you know, quote unquote, like what people are used to, but they're really important. And maybe just having a little patch of your yard saved up for that or planting some flowers or shrubs or something that flower could go a long way. Oh yeah. My neighbor's lawns look like carpets. They're just pristine and ours, is not and i refuse <laughs> good me too <laughs> mine is the prairie sometimes it's, it's bad <laughs> um 
Well, Clayton, are there any other things that people can do other than, you know, growing their yards so high they get a citation from the city or not using pesticides or, you know, any other actions they can take to help the bees and pollinators? Um, well, I guess is, you know, continue voting for vote for candidates that do believe in uh, fighting climate change. that don't deny it and that actually want to help save the bees. Exactly. Those, those are always an uh, easy task. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, what are some things that government can do to help protect the bees and our pollinators? I know you mentioned passing legislation to um, prevent, you know, the use of neonics and other pesticides. Um, but is, are there any other actions that we can take at a federal, state, even local level? You can just create more incentives by with the ag exempt, you know, uh, broaden the range. Because if you create a, more incentives for people to have bees and more people get bees and the more bees there are, the better everything is even if there is a very bad disease or very bad fungus, um, so long as there's a large enough number of bees and we are able to diversify mm -hmm. uh, this bee species enough, you know, we can recover from that. Um, so, I mean, those are the two, two of the bigger things. And of course, it's really stopping climate change, uh, stopping the climate crisis, because if that does continue on its current trajectory, that won't be Nothing good. Nothing else matters. <laughs> And it also won't be good for us. Yeah. yeah it's a lose-lose situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go on to our um, last segment, um, Jen and Chris, do you have anything else you wanted to ask or bring up relating to bees? Save the bees. <laughs> bees. Um, I know they're not honeybees, but what do those big, fat, adorable bumblebees do? Are they just Flying pandas. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, bumblebees and all, well, all types of bees do pollinate. There's a huge number of, um, local variety of bees, uh, too many than, than I can even remember the name. But each of them are pollinators and they all have their own kind of little niche plants they pollinate. So, like, honeybees might not pollinate every single plant. Um, but bumblebees, there's certain ones that they really do, particularly the bigger flowers that require mm -hmm. a big bee. And even the smaller bees will get to smaller plants. So, I mean, they all, without necessarily realizing it, I suppose, kind of working as a team to uh, pollinate all the plants. But they don't make any honey, right? Like they, like honey that we could eat, right? No. Or that's just, okay. So they're just adorable. That's it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so t typically beekeepers will keep honeybees, mm -hmm. not bumblebees or any of the others. I've never heard of beekeeper that keeps bumblebees, but now I'm going to be Googling that. <laughs> now he's like, I have a new thing to try. <laughs> they really are adorable, though. They are. They're, They're like so fluffy and just enormous. I love them. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid on my family's farm, you know, we have a bunch of cedar posts, and there used to be all these cedar bees. Mm. Was like they live in the cedar posts. They just like dive in and... um. I haven't seen them in a long time, but I remember them flying around when I was a kid, and they were big. Oh, uh, I've seen those. Oh, mm -hmm. I've been uh, slowly building up my garden in my yard, and this year I finally saw my first bumblebees. Ooh. I've only ever seen honeybees. I, I can't take credit because my neighbors have an amazing garden behind me, but coming to my yard, so that's something. <laughs> <laughs> now if I can just get a hummingbird or two, I'll be like a real pro. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> cool. Well, are there any um, resources you would share with our listeners who want to learn more about bees or 
honey or anything we've talked about today? Just find your local beekeeper association. Um, I'm pretty certain most states and provinces should have some some sort of association. Uh, some of them will be local, like for your county. Some of them will be statewide. And just get connected with them. They love talking about bees. <laughs> so um, it's, there's usually a lot of information, but I would try to stick with the official associations at this point, um, at least to start off with, because they will have a lot of good information. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we will move on now to our green life hacks. And uh, Chris, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so when we were on Creatively Geeky last week, we were doing uh, tools that make our creative endeavors better or things that we like. And I really like to bake. So I have a couple of, well, they have cat marks. Like she's cheap. Anyways, they're still fine. I have silicone mats that I use on the cookie sheets and they are really, uh, they're really great. They can hold up to high temperature. Um, we've used them on the barbecue and, and like at like 450, 75 degrees for pizzas and stuff. Um, and they're a great alternative to parchment paper or aluminum foil. Um, and I love them and they're super cheap. You can get them at the dollar store too. You can get them in varying different sizes and stuff. So those are awesome. And then what I want to get next though, are the silicone, um, muffin, mm-hmm. uh, what it molds. That's not the right word for it, but you know what I mean? Um, Cup. liners. Thank you. So I would like to get those. I ha- I did have at one point a silicone loaf pan, which I would not recommend because it has no structure. It like bows out at the yeah. side and makes for a terrible uneven cook. But the the silpats, silicone mats, and the the liners I wanna are really great. Use them forever. Hold up really really well, except when your cat eats them. But <laughs> I have the liners, and um, they can be kind of a pain to clean, but once you're past that, I mean, they are yeah. nice to just, and you got to tell people don't throw them away when you bake something for work. Yes. That happened to me yes. a couple of times. And you can't, you can put them in the dishwasher. They're really, really flimsy. So I just hand wash mine. Um, yeah. But imagine the silicone um, muffin liners are a lot easier to just chuck in the dishwasher. But again, they're like, unless your cat gets a hold of them, they're indestructible. <laughs> Dang cat. Yeah. Well, Jen, what do you have for us this week? Um, I would just advocate that if you're looking to get rid of pests or weeds or anything in your garden or, you know, your yard, don't buy Roundup. Don't buy all these chemicals at the store. There's all sorts of recipes online. Um, you can use essential oils, diatomaceous earth, salt, pepper, cayenne pepper, you know, all sorts of ingredients that are natural that won't harm you or the bees or anything else um, that are good insects and things that we want to keep around. Um, so yeah, just kind of, I know a lot of us are programmed to just like buy certain things when you're out of them. So maybe just little by little as those items run out, just start researching um, organic or natural ingredients instead. Great idea. Clayton, what do you have for us? The green life hack. Well, there was a thing mentioned earlier about if you want to get rid of wasp and you don't have one of those um, little, little paper things Ray mentioned, then you can use the like soap and water. 
that works. I, it also might work against ants. I think I remember trying it against ants. Otherwise, well, I learned something the other day that completely learned um, Google and internet searches for me. But every time you search something on the internet, whether Google, Yahoo, or whatever, that it costs enough energy to light a light bulb for three minutes. Hmm. So I'm now developing the habit of every time I know, if there's something that I know I'm going to be searching for a lot, I just write it down. I search for it once and write it down. And Stop uh, Googling people. Stop. <laughs> every time we search a, a cat video. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. Mm -hmm. um, well, my life hack uh, for this month is going to be since... Um, you have all those signs behind you about voting is to make sure you're registered to vote. Um, as we've talked about throughout the show, there's a lot that you, you know, a lot of things that your elected officials can do to help pollinators, to help fight climate change and to help with sustainability in general, to help us build a more sustainable um, society. So make sure you're registered to vote, make sure your address is updated. Um, if you're not sure, you know, go to your states or your cities or your counties. Um, voting department and find out. Usually you can go to um, Rock the Vote and they'll, you know, send you to your local thing. But um, yeah, research the candidates, find out who stands for sustainability and vote them in. So that's my green life hack. Um, if you're in Texas, you have until October the 12th or 13th. I don't want to lie. The to register to vote. The third. Yeah, see, I was really close. Not really. <laughs> so make sure you, you find out what the date is, the deadline is mm -hmm. your state. Um, okay, so where can we find you online, Chris? Uh, you can find me here and at all Epically Geeky podcasts, except for Procrastinators, uh, and on Instagram at The Burrow Life. Yay! Jen? <laughs> <laughs> we have exclusive rights to you still, right? <laughs> yep. Right here on Sustainably Geeky. Um, Clayton, where can we find you online? Well, first, let me apologize to Chris for calling you Ray. My, <laughs> my bad. It's my I, husband's name. It's all right. <laughs> well, the moment I said it, I'm like, you said something wrong. Don't keep, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> but yeah, y'all can find me on my um, campaign website, TuckerForTexas.com, fully spelled out. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can probably, you can, even if you get like a carrier pigeon, you can probably send it my way. It'll probably never find me, but hey, you could still try. And, um, yeah. Awesome. And you can find me here on Sustainably Geeky, um, Creatively Geeky, Epically Geeky, Marginally Geeky. I think that's all of them. Um, we like to keep it on brand. Um, and you can find, uh, my, on social media at Het's Gonna Be Me. And then on, um, the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sustainably Geeky. Of course, you can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we ask that you just subscribe and share us with your friends and give us a five-star rating or review. Whatever you can do really helps us get out there. Um, so if you have any show ideas, tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us. Let us know what you want to hear about. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your day.
This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network.